we are uh, jumping into uh, 1 Samuel 17 this morning, and, um, and we just hopped into this new series on King David last Sunday. Brian kicked us off. And um, honestly, I've, I've never been really more pumped for a series than this. True confession. You know, the, the life of this king, King David, is so applicable to us. If you think about it, King David is one of the, the greatest men to walk on earth, right? He pulled off some of the most incredible wins in history. And yet, time and time again, this man after God's own heart falls flat on his face. David loved the Lord, but, but his life was a roller coaster. And I think what's so heroic about this story is that um, as we ride that out between now and, and Easter, we're going to find this consistent God who time and time again in this broken man's life shows up with his mercy and his justice and his grace and his salvation. Every time. So today, uh, I'm particularly excited because we're going to turn to what I think is the greatest battle in all of history, my bias. 1 Samuel 17 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath together. But here's my thought. Um, here's my disclaimer. If right now in your head is a picture of your childhood story Bible with David and his sling going at it with his giant, I just want you to delete that. And I want to show us something entirely different about this battle that maybe you've never seen before. Um, and here's my, here's my conviction. God's word is living and active. So I believe this story has something to teach us right now, something fresh and new, just as it did when we were maybe five, six, seven years old. So let me pray for us. Uh, then we're gonna, I'm going to set this up for you so we don't read the entire story, and then we'll, we'll jump in. So pray with me, will you? And God, you are so good to us. Lord, you have given us this word, and we declare it as true. And it is, God, we know it's living and active. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. God, would you just take all the distractions of this life and just help us for a few minutes to just focus on you, to, to know and to experience your glory in our midst, to know and experience your goodness in our lives, Lord, to, to hear this word. But Lord, would you help us not just to hear it, but to soak it in, to let it lead us to go before us. God, give us eyes to see you more clearly this morning. Lord, give us ears to, to listen for what you would have for each of us. God, much like David, we pray that you'd give us a heart that would chase after you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So here's the, here's the 60 second backdrop. Israel and Philistines are at war, right? David's at home tending the sheep, this, this shepherd boy, and his three eldest brothers have been sent to the front lines on behalf of Israel to fight this battle. And somewhere along this, this, this way, David's father, Jesse, becomes concerned for his boys. So he sends the youngest, sends David, to the front lines with food for the troops. And before our passage this morning, we learned that David has one job. You have one job. That's it, David. One job. Give them the food. And then report back to me, Jesse says, with how things are going. But instead of reporting in, you know how the story goes. Let's, let's read it together. It's a, it's a doozy. Hang in here. Starting at verse 19 to 50. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. 
And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army, and David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him and with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine, takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know the presumption and the evil of your heart. You've come down just to see the battle. David said, what have I done now? Was it not just but a word? He turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth, and he's been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of its mouth. If he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he's defied the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who delivered me out of the paw of that lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine." So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on a helmet of bronze on his head, clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I've not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. The Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He'll give you into our hand. When the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet this Philistine. 
David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck him on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Mm, That's a doozy, isn't it? Finish this phrase with me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You believe that? Say it again with me one more time. I want us to process this out loud. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. When was the last time you heard that lie? You know, all the way back in 1862, those words sticks and stones were published in a Methodist journal called the Christian Recorder. And from that year forward, it's become like the comeback statement of every schoolyard bully in the country, right? At some point in our adolescence, we we adopted this phrase as like this this childhood defense mechanism. And so with the best of intentions, our, our parents would assure us words can't touch you. We were brought to carry this confidence that a spoken language could never be a weapon used towards me. We all know it's not long before you realize that's a lie. Hear me out. Young shepherd boy is sent by his father to the front lines of this military standoff, right? He's got cheese in one hand and bread in the other. He's come to lift the spirits of his brothers and their commander. And when he arrives, what does he find? There's this man who for 40 days and 40 nights has spat on God's people time and time again, not with weapons, but with words. He said, am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man, let him come down. That's the story, right? You know, I think we've heard this story so many times it's become like a fable to us. Even the secular realm loves a good David and Goliath story. You know, the concept of a comeback is enticing to us. The lowly commander or contender overcomes his formidable enemy. We eat that up. I think it's why we get so caught up in stories of the Olympics or even the Super Bowl today. You know, history is made when the underdog, the one with all the odds stacked against them, somehow achieves the impossible, and we love it. But here's my thought. What if we've gotten this story all wrong? What if the battle of David and Goliath is actually more about words than it is about sticks and stones? See, before there was a battle of armor and might and a slingshot, David faced not just one word against him, but we're gonna find this morning he faced three words, three battles. And I I wanna show us here in a bit how these three lies, these three words spoken to David became the battles before the battle. And as we look at this, I I want us to consider our own word wounds. And I want us to ask this question, How do you overcome the words within? Because here's my claim. Here's my claim this morning and see if you can agree with me. This throwdown between David and Goliath, when it finally arrives, it's actually not the armor that saves David. And I'm gonna go so far as to say it's not even the stones that bring the bully down. Here's my claim. It's words. This is what we're gonna look at this morning. 
First, we're going to look at how David had to fight off this word of accusation from none other than his own brother. Second, we're going to look at how David was confronted with this, this word of doubt that should have probably sent him packing. And third, we're going to look finally at how David was faced with an all-out word of contempt directly from his enemy, a word of hatred. And as we do that, I want us to see how David overcame all of these lies, all of these words for the sake of God's glory. So let's just look at this first lie. Let's look at this first one, the word of accusation. I want us to imagine a field, right? Imagine a shallow valley with a, a mountain range to the west and a mountain range to the east. Sound familiar? We live in one. And picture this empty space with armies of, of thousands of men gathered up on either side of the hills. Israel and King Saul are to one end, Philistines and Goliath on the other. It was known as the Valley of Elah. Got its name from the Hebrew word for these scrubby terebinth trees scattered throughout it. But as the sun comes up every morning and the sun goes down every evening, there is this same booming echo that's reverberating off the hillsides. And we know who it was. It was the voice of a man, six cubits were told, and a span tall. And today's metrics, that measures to be nine feet, six inches. I was at the Bobcat game yesterday and Thursday night. Man, we're crushing it. Anybody at those games? Oh, it's all, you got to get to some. They're fun. But if you've been following the cats at all this season, you know one of our guys is seven-something feet tall, right? And I, I was looking at this, this guy on the sidelines, just thinking to myself as he's towering over his teammates, what would it look like to add another two feet to that boy? This voice screams out. He says, I could kill any one of you. Give me your best soldier. We'll end this man-to-man -man right now. And as I said, 40 days, every morning, every evening, rinse and repeat, no one came forward. Just imagine the, the countenance that began to shrink among God's people, right? This military, by David's own words, was the army of the living God, but for some reason they couldn't see it. They just sat there in shame. We're told back in verse 11, they were dismayed. They were afraid. They were terrified. And now in walks David. He's the youngest of all the brothers, remember? He's, he's sent to the front lines to keep the, the troops of the spirits high. He goes skipping through the hills with his picnic bag in hand just as he arrives. And then he hears it. And as he's looking at this giant, David tells the boys, I could take him. You know, that takes some gusto, right? All of Israel, trained men, equipped for battle, full armor, Warriors decked out in every sense of the word. None of them come forward for over a month now. And this child of a man walks on scene. He says, I'll do it. Look at this in verse 26. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Now you would think at this point, everyone would be overjoyed. You would think that they would be thinking to themselves, well, at least I'm not going anymore. We have our sacrificial lamb, send them out. But here's where we got to pay a close attention, right? Because this is where the first battle of words begin. David has an accusation made against him and he's side flanked. It comes from a place he would have never seen coming. Verse 28, it says this. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man and his anger was kindled. He said to him, why have you come down? Why did you leave the sheep back home? I know the presumption and the evil of your heart. You just came down to watch. If you miss the nuance, 
This is big brother putting little brother in his place. Any little siblings in the room? Anybody grow up in that land? Just me. Little brother wants to fit in, right? Big brother tells him, go back home. This isn't your game. This is a big boy's game. See, but there's more than that. Because Eliab tells David, he says, your pride and your sin has revealed the evil of your heart. Now that's daggers. Think about that. We've been fighting this war and you show up talking a big game. Who do you think you are? And he doesn't just accuse David of false intentions. He uses this, this specific phrase from Deuteronomy 17, 12. Look again up on your screens. He says, you're acting presumptuously. What's the penalty of acting presumptuously? Deuteronomy says that man should die. Hear this. In biblical terms, the greatest battle that we face is not physical. The greatest battle in this life always begins with a lie. It's the oldest trick of the enemy, right? Go back to the sheep, David. You're not good enough to be here. You're just a spectator on the sidelines. You've got a rotten heart. That's all you are. John Mark Comer recently put out a book called Live No Lies. And in it, he, he writes about that this greatest faith, threat to our faith has become those moments when we buy into those words that wound us. Lies that were spoken into our lives from maybe even unexpected places. And if that's true, if, if, if you believe that, then that means long before you fight the war on the outside, there is a war of words going on within. If Satan can get you to doubt yourself, he's got you right where he wants you. And it's interesting, right? Brian taught us last week that, that David had already been anointed the new king of Israel. He had to have known this. His intentions are pure. He, he wants the armies of the living God to stand firm. Eliab tells him, you're arrogant, you're prideful, you're evil. Go back home to your sheep, little man. Jesus Christ once cautioned us like this in Matthew 24, 4. He said, watch out that no one deceives you. You know, our enemy is the father of lies, right? He's the accuser that whispers into your ear those words of confusion and chaos about who you really are. He's the one who tells us you should be ashamed of yourself. Get back down. You're not enough. You'll never win this battle. David's own kin, his own flesh and blood tells him you're evil. Can you imagine? Just give me the bread and cheese and go home. Sticks and stones, right? But come on now, words cut too. And just when you thought that the, the first wounds were deep enough, here comes some salt to make it sting a bit more. Look at how this second word now overshadows David. King Saul hears this rumor that this child has volunteered for this fight. And here comes now the second battle of words David has to fight. Verse 33, Saul said to David, you? You can't go against this Philistine, you're a kid. Goliath's been a man of war his entire life. Really, think about this with me. What lies has someone implanted into your mind? We all have one, right? A coach, a parent, a sibling, a teacher, a friend, a boss, a neighbor, a pastor. David's own commander-in-chief, right? His leader tells him flat out, you can't do this. You don't have what it takes. And that's a weird spot to be in because on the one hand, Samuel's already anointed David as the new king and yet this puppet king is standing in front of him, looking him square in the eye and he tells him, anyone but you, buddy. 
You're the last guy that we choose to go and fight this one. What's a man or a woman to do with words of accusation and defeat swirling around him? How do you overcome that? First his brother, now his commander-in-chief. See, it seems to me if David's going to fight Goliath, he's got some word battles he's got to get over. But look at how David responds. This is, this is when we start to see some traction. This is when things get real. Verse 34. He said, I used to keep the sheep from my dad, Saul. When a lion or a bear showed up, I struck them and delivered the sheep from their mouth. Now that's Montana style right there. Think about that. If he rose against me, that bear, I killed him too. This Philistine's no different. Again, he's defied the armies of the living God. Who are we? Let me just spell this out, right? Two lies now spoken into David's life. First was the accusation from none other than his brother. A second now comes from the commander of army. It's a word, nothing of doubt. So how does David keep on? Look at this. Here's our application. I want you to see how David deals with this. He begins to replace the lies with truth. Think about this, right? Instead of living into the falsehood that's been covered over him, he now wipes them clean with a story of God's truth. You'll never amount to anything. You've landed so hard in that sin, just walk away. You don't belong here anymore. What's the truth? As far as the east is from the west, that far God has removed our sins from us. And Jesus Christ, you're forgiven and loved. Go and sin no more. Well, I have no real friends, right? I'm, I'm always on the sidelines. I, I feel like I'm, I'm playing this plastic game. No one really knows me. If they did, what, what would happen? Here's the truth. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Even when you walk through the valley of the darkest places in your life, there I am. Maybe like David, someone told you you'll never add up. Maybe they didn't outright tell you. Maybe for years they just made you feel that way. You know what God's word says? No one's good enough. There's not one who's righteous, right? Makes, makes all of us understand that it's only by the gift of free grace in Jesus Christ that we find ourselves whole and loved again. See, do you see, David takes these lies and he looks back over his life and he washes them away with truth. He tells Saul, yeah, sure, you see an inexperienced shepherd, that's fine, but here's the truth. My God's delivered me from my enemies before. He's gonna do it again. If he can save me from the bear attack, what's a Philistine? What's Goliath? So now we, we turn to this final scene. The battle that we think we know, that we've heard so many times before. But just take away the slingshot and the stones for a minute and focus on this exchange of words with me. Saul sends David on his way. He says, God be with you. You're going to need it. And as these men now begin to cover David with all of the king's reinforcements, right? All of his armor. Look at what happens. Verse 38. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head, clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped his sword over his armor, and then what happened? He fell over. I love this part. It reminds me of Ralph's brother from the Christmas story. You remember that? I think I have a picture of it. Up. Remember that? His mom sends him out into the clothes. Yeah. But again, what's the lie? The lie is God's not enough. The living God's not enough, David. You need some metal on that bar. You, you need some armor to win this fight. And yet David knows the truth. 
And as David walks into this field now, fully exposed, he's got no armor, no sword, just a sling and some stones, he faces his enemy. And now he comes face to face with the the third and final battle of words. Because Goliath sees this puny little sheep man and he's offended, he's, he's angry, he's spewing hatred. Look at this in verse 43. Am I a dog that you would bring me sticks? Right after that, we're told David, or Goliath began cursing David's name over and over. You know, this is no longer like a, a subtle battle, right? This is a direct hit. But again, look at how David replaces the lie with the truth. Verse 45, he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel with whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Later, he says, do you realize the battle is the Lord's? See, do you see it? David didn't just win this standoff with a stone and a sling. This is not a story about David's good aim and clever thinking. David won this fight with the mighty word of God going before him in battle. That was his armor bearer. He overcame all the lies, all the wounds, all the words of accusation and doubt and scorn from every side as he clung to the truth of God's word. I dare say, if you believe this is just a story of the underdog who defeats his giant as so much of the world sees it, then you've missed the entire point. It's a foreshadowing. Let's just connect the dots, right? There's there's another epic battle brewing from the very beginning of time since the moment Adam and Eve fell into that sin. On one side of the valley sat a a defeated world trying to cover up the wages of sin and shame and darkness. We, We sat there stuck in this cycle over and over again hearing the words of our accuser. On the other side, for centuries, was the ruler of the world taunting and jeering us no one would come forward. There wasn't one man or woman qualified or righteous enough to go into that battle on our behalf. Enter in the lowly shepherd boy, Christ. Much like David, right? From the get-go, Jesus was faced with all kinds of words against him, lies, shots from every angle. First, his own family rejects him, just like Eliab did. Jesus' own brothers went out and they seized him. They they told the crowd, he's out of his mind. He's a presumptuous man. Then again, much like David, Jesus was the anointed king. He, He knew that. And yet he had the humility to stand before Pontius Pilate and get grilled on what was truth. And then despite all the accusations and all the doubt, Jesus walked through all the turbulence to a place that you and I couldn't. And just like David... He faced one final word of scorn and hatred, except for it didn't come from Goliath. It came from us. Crucify him, they said, crucify him. When everyone else was jeering, right? Jesus comes to face our Goliath head on. And just like David, he, he didn't do it with all the world's armor. He didn't put on a coat of mail or a bronze helmet. He didn't slay his enemy with this sword on a gallant horse. No, he goes into the valley fully exposed, nailed to a cross. And even though the battle seemed impossible, even though it seemed like Jesus was going to be defeated, he won. And how do we know? 
Three simple words overcame every lie that was ever spoken into Jesus' ear. It is finished. Sticks and stones. What, what words, what, what lies have you believed about yourself that need to be destroyed right now? And how does the truth of God's promise in Christ begin to replace those falsehoods in your life? See, long before there was a battle with Goliath, right? There was a battle of words. And we serve a king who, just like David, took us out of the lion's mouth and destroyed our enemy, even as we sat helpless in our despair. So David goes into that valley, right, to fight this war, and he tells his men on the way in, let no man's heart fall away. That's the same word Jesus gives to us. The question then is how well do you know the truth of these scriptures? And how often do you apply them to the lies, the falsehoods that you've been clinging to so tightly? Let's ask God to lead us in whatever battle it is that we're facing this morning with his truth before us. Will you pray with me? God, we do pray, Lord, that you would lead us. God, in every day, this life is a battle. We, we know that. We can see that. All of us, at some point or another, we've received words that, that wound, cut deep. Lord, we can, we can understand what it is to have a word of accusation against us, all of us in this room. We can understand what it is to face words of doubt from those that we trusted in. And Lord, maybe now more than ever, we see words of hate lobbed from side to side every day. God, it's true this world is full of so many lies and deceit, so we pray that you would keep us watchful and keep us focused on your truth, that we would be a people of your word, or that as we face the battle that, that so often comes in this life, God, that you would make us cling to your truth, it would be the truth of the gospel and the good news and the victory of Jesus Christ. Lord, that no word, no stick, no stone could ever come between us and you. Lord, we thank you for that gift. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.